Welcome back, everybody, to the Doctor Who Flashcast. Um, I'm Jason Snell, and I'm joined this week by my pal, Dan Morin. Hi, Dan. Hi, Jason. Um, here we are again. Here, we're on another podcast. Weird. They, they all we talk about Arrow? Together. <laughs> talk about... I, you, you, you could be on the Arrowcast someday if you'd like. I'm getting caught, caught up. up. I'm, very, I'm very, very close to being caught up with Arrow right. now. Okay. Well, 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 when I, and you, I'm you, listening you, you to the Arrowcast. I'm listening to you from the past. Um, oh man, that guy's a jerk. Don't listen to him. <laughs> but it's kind of fun. And I laugh at these jokes and I want to run and tell you and Tony that I'm laughing at your funny <laughs> jokes. Um, because I, I listened to the one that you and Tony and John were on. Just just, just listen to that one. And this is going to be really interesting for the Doctor Who fans. But anyway, it's funny because it's like, <laughs> hey, I like that joke that you made back last spring. <laughs> so, yeah. there's, there's no sure, point. Thanks. Appreciate not, it. No. So, uh, so hello to everybody who's uh, binge watching Doctor Who Season 9 after having discovered it in 2017. <laughs> we recorded What's this like in, 2017, in October 2015 cars? after watching it. And, and I mentioned this last week on the, on the, on the TV, TV Flashcast for doctor who um oftentimes people will give us comments about the episodes later because they've watched it you know maybe a couple of times and read a transcript and seen analysis and all that just to be clear we pretty much just watch it and then talk about it and there's no more uh, really time to study i ha- i know and this one went by so fast that there are things that i'm like wow i'm sure that means something and it's just it went by fast they talk fast there's a lot of density in these episodes sometimes and i only have seen it the one time at this point so uh you know we, we might we might uh not understand some things don't get mad um we just uh, might have missed it yeah and it speaking for me i i binge watched uh four episodes in about two days because i had watched the premiere and then was not caught up and so over the last two days i caught up uh-huh. which is also gives you a different perspective when you watch like th- four episodes in kind of short order yeah yeah absolutely so this is the girl who died it's written by jamie matheson who wrote the mummy on the orient express and uh flatline last year hey, we, we we talked about the mummy on we the orient did. express we I did remember. in uh, in october of last year in montreal we did that one indeed um, and, uh, and, uh, and he wrote it with Stephen Moffat. So who knows what that level of that collaboration was. Um, and of course, uh, Maisie Williams from Game of Thrones is in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, when we start, we, uh, we find Clara in deep space in the, the orange spacesuit that David Tennant picked up on no, yeah on in sanctuary sa- no on the sanctuary oh, base in the, the satan pit oh yeah i was thinking about that episode because i watched the previous episodes and i was like ah yes it's our obligatory people stuck in a base of some space sort of episode base under siege it's a yeah, classic it is um so um uh she's in, floating in space and the doctor is talking to her and she says she thinks she's got something crawling in her spacesuit. Um and he says, You spent maybe spent too much time in the spider mines and you've got a what a like a love sprite or something that's crawling up your back yeah. and it might, might bite suck you. out your brain or something yeah, like okay. that. Yeah. It, I mean, you know, this opening sequence is notable for the fact that it bears no, no relevance whatsoever to no, the rest of the episode. It seems I, like I think that they, I think that in modern Doctor Who especially really enjoys implying all of these other grand adventures right. that you never see or you only see momentarily um, because they could never afford to do them. So they imply them through something, a reference, or the very beginning of an episode, and then they move on. So well, it, 
it also helps glue together the fact that, you know, we're sort of getting peaks into their life together, right? We're not seeing everything that they right. do. So they're spending possibly, you know, weeks, months at a time doing these other adventures that we don't, you know, don't exactly know the contents of. But it does also give us sort of a overarching narrative like these, you know, about their where they are in their travels in some right. ways. Right. And the, that's a classic thing with Doctor Who that whether it's fan fiction or it's uh, official novels or audio plays or whatever, that the, all of those stories are inevitably set in the cracks between these episodes mm. that, that that make it on TV. And um, so I think it's funny that the actual series kind of plays with that, too, and says, yes, of course, there are grand adventures that happen when you're not around. <laughs> right. Right. Um, but spider he, minds and the like. He, he, yeah, spider minds. She was in the spider minds. Um, so he uh, materializes the TARDIS around her. That's a funny, a fun scene because we see her floating in space, tight on her space helmet, and then the doctor pulls it off and you realize she's actually now inside the TARDIS. That's kind of fun. Um, and uh, she is... You know, he's boasting about how great he has done at defeating the enemy and saving the people and all of that. Um, and then he wants to take a he Tem- wants temporarily. Yeah, I but, think he points out. But he he squished he squished the spider the or sprite or whatever, yes. and he wants to wipe off his his shoe. So he steps outside, and that that is when they get captured by Vikings. Captured by Vikings is good, mm-hmm. indeed. Um, I and I think that's it's kind of nice too because this is it does sort of set up. As we'll get to in a little bit, um, you know, all of this happens essentially before the credits. Yeah. And thus, the TARDIS is basically taken out of the equation immediately. Immediately. They, in the entire episode, which is nice. It's yeah. nice because I feel like it's gotten it, the TARDIS. Well, they, they've done a little bit trying to lock down the TARDIS as a, you know, uh, an all-powerful box this year. But it's still, it's, aside from reconstituting it from its component atoms. Um, so it's nice to, it, it sort of sets the scope of this episode, which is kind of cool. Yeah, this isn't, isn't a... Um an episode that's about time travel in any way. They, um, the, the Vikings, the doctor uses his bluster and his sonic uh, sunglasses to try and impress them. And the Viking just smashes them. (laughs) And then, uh, and then basically they're being there. It's three days later and they're being marched. So they, so you, you're very, it's very clear early on that, that they're nowhere near the TARDIS and the sonic, uh, sunglasses have been smashed. They're good. Thus ends the sonic sunglasses era. Or does it? (laughs) Yeah, maybe. Um, but uh, but uh, that that's so that's interesting. And then he runs into this girl. Uh, he he sees the girl when they get they get back to the town, and it's a shielder, um, and that's Maisie Williams from Game of Thrones. And um, it's like he recognizes her, or like she recognizes him. And there's that moment, and and Clara notices it and says, "Do you know her? What's going on with that?" And and he says, "No, but this happens with time travel." A premonition is just remembering something in the wrong direction. <laughs> right. I thought that was a great line. Um, I also enjoy that they, um, as I'm sure we'll get to in a moment, I enjoy his attempts to, once again, I, you know, this is a funny episode, and I think it's a lot funnier than any of the previous episodes mm-hmm. this year, I would say. Yeah. Um, but it's also, it kind of runs the gamut. Like, they do a lot. There's some There's some funny stuff. There's some drama. Um, there's some deeper introspection. Mm. Uh, there's some links in with stuff that's happened earlier this season, but I, I think they do a nice job here of running, uh, you know, we're melding together a bunch of different tones. 
Yeah, and and the uh, as for the premonition issue with the shielder, this this is a time travel related thing, I think. But basically, what this is doing is planting a seed that will not really come back around until the very end of the episode, and presumably next week, actually. Um, but there's, uh, there's almost a river song thing going on with the sort of the remembering things in the wrong order, mm. right? With her, you know, meeting her at the end of his or the end of her life, but the beginning of his life sort of, you know, there's a out time lived out of order kind right. of thing almost. Right. Um, but anyway, they, they, um, they, uh, get to this town and, uh, the doctor is trying to find a way to escape <laughs> and he, de- he, he decides to declare that he is Odin and they <laughs> say, you're brilliant. <laughs> yeah. And he says, I've got, look, I've got a yo-yo. Yeah, I am yeah. Odin. Cause he, he is I, so early in this, right. The doctor is really patronizing with the Vikings. He's like, I can just like show them shiny objects and they will fear me and we can get out of here. And it doesn't work. And the Odin thing fails spectacularly because while he does have a yo-yo and that's very impressive, there is a giant hologram of Odin in the sky. <laughs> so they do know what Odin looks like. And Odin is in the sky and he comes down with like, um, big machines and they take all the warriors of the village and teleport them away. Oops. I also, I want to say I really enjoy the, you know, what's the plan as they're sort of walking in. And he's like, oh, we'll just do the same thing we all Like, find the leader and replace him, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> I like that that is another standard, a standard doctor plan. It's just like, oh, we'll just displace whoever is currently in charge and, and do things our way. Because that's how I do things. Okay, which yeah. kind of ends up but, happening anyways. But. Yeah, sure. It does. But it, it, that's, his, that's his MO. But, but um. But so so uh, they take they also take Clara and a shielder because um, they've got the Sonic the pieces of the Sonic um, and she's Clara's trying to save her by having her um, use the the Sonic to open the, her locks or something like it doesn't it doesn't work and they get taken and they get they get teleported basically to this to Valhalla which is a spaceship and there's a question of like well what's the spaceship for and some guy like come on we're in Valhalla it's awesome and he walks into the next room and is disintegrated essentially nothing is ever awesome on alien spaceships mm-hmm. just be very careful about so, where you walk so fortunately because Clara has done this sort of thing before they Clara and a shielder managed to escape to um to the other side of the disintegration chamber and out a door um but uh all of the warriors uh that they were teleported along with are are disintegrated essentially as it turns out because the guy who who runs the spaceship wants like a distillation of warrior juice that he can it's like a warrior smoothie that it's he like can gatorade drink. Yeah. yeah yeah warrior adrenaline aid. testosterone yeah, 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 that sounds delicious. Yeah, by the way, you you know t- that's not. I I, I have a. I, I, a friend of mine is a doctor who's an expert in testosterone, and he will point out that that you can never testosterone supplements never work because your body adapts to them and then you need more testosterone and where does it end up in bad places so i i was not thinking that the uh that the the leader of this uh, spaceship was going to end up I, i'm concerned about his health is what i'm saying yeah i, don't well, think I mean he's basically chugging mountain dew yeah, so you know it's not you should sustainable be it's not sustainable it's a it's a very dangerous game that he's playing here but anyway um uh, there's a nice showdown with him um, where where Clara's kind of trying to do the doctor thing, right? She's going to be like, oh, I've got this great technology and you should fear me and you should just let us go and go on your way and never come back. Well, it really almost worked. I mean, like he, mm. she basically so close. has him, which is great. I mean, like it's a this is a great deploying of, of you know, Clara and Jenna, Jenna Coleman here of like, you know, all the stuff she's picked up with all her time in the doctor. Yep. And it's basically, let's diffuse this entire situation just by sort of hinting at things that 
we don't, you know, you don't need to know about. So, like, she only has half the sonic screwdriver, but, like, knows there are the sonic sunglasses. That's enough to sort of give an idea of, like, okay, you know this is Time Lord technology, essentially, or just incredibly advanced technology. You don't want to pick a fight with us because you might lose, and that would be really bad for you. Um, so you're, you just want to be practical and, and go away. Just this, this planet, go find some other planet to snack on. So, I, you know, and I, I think that it's, it's deftly done, and Clara has, like, real poise and sort of commanding presence throughout it and and she would have gotten away with it too if it weren't for those pesky kids <laughs> the shielder is like no we were we, we were, are vikings you mocked our gods you were, we will destroy you we are vikings and he's like all right fine we're gonna fight <laughs> yeah <laughs> you convinced me twist my arm oh and then so they so so they get beamed back down and the doctor's like yeah all right you did it i knew you would you got him to go they're gonna they're not coming back way to go clara and she's like yeah well actually so so close close. missed it by that much uh and and, and, you know and then we basically enter the seven samurai portion yeah i was thinking it's high noon you know they're 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 the 10 warriors are going to come in a day and they've got to get the village ready um and and so again we sort of delve into a lot of the you know, Moffat has never been one to shy away from sort of like a metatextual mm. analysis of Doctor Who. And and <laughs> especially not. in this season, I feel like he's really just made a lot of points about uh, what the Doctor can do, what the Doctor can't do. Uh, you know, not necessarily delving into rules specifically, but just sort of all the different, like, the not quite the tropes, but the mechanics of how a Doctor Who story works. Well, and here Clara actually asks him, you know... You never tell me the rules. What are the rules? Right, exactly. And But she's also trying to figure out, she's like, you don't have a plan yet, but he, you're sort of like, right. I know you're treading water until you get a plan. And you're like going along with this, like, let's teach them how to fight uh, until you come up with whatever the solution is. And he seems pretty convinced, as he always is, that everybody's going to die and, yep. you know, this is not going to work at all. Um, and so, but it reminded me of a callback to the first, or sorry, I guess episode, beginning of episode two where Missy and Clara are talking about it and, you know, Clara sort of synthesizes the secret is the doctor always, you know, knows he's going to win basically, mm. um, which is again, sort of like look at looking at the, the meta meta gaming it, if you will. Right. Right. And she knows he's going to have a revelation and we all know that's going to be how it works. Right. And she knows it too. And she tells him and he kind of just doesn't want her to ruin the secret sauce here. <laughs> um, he does talk to the, he tries to give a really, he gives a really bad pep talk where he says, yeah. you know, your farmers, fishermen, web designers. Web designers. Well, maybe not the last one. Um, uh, run, are you, you, you going to raise crops at them? <laughs> <laughs> if that's what it comes to. Yeah. I think oh. he was being sarcastic. Yeah, that was that was very funny. But he, t- he says, like, run away. Just run away. You just, just go away. And they're like, no, we're not going to go away. We're Vikings. We're going to stay here. We're going to fight. This is what we do. Um, and then we get a really interesting scene, which is there's the crying of a baby. And we know he speaks baby. And Indeed. so does Clara. Stormageddon. She says he speaks baby. And he translates what the baby is saying. And it's uh, it, it, it turns out that there are some plot implications to this, but it's also this uh, interesting quiet moment in all of this, a little poignant moment about what, you know, what do babies say when they talk? And, and they, they uh, you know, yeah, it is about their mother and about being hungry or being scared, but there's more to it than that. And there are a couple, I found, I found both of those scenes where the doctor is translating the, you know, the unintelligible cries of a baby. I thought those were both really interesting. 
Yeah, I had a moment of wondering if the baby was actually even going to be real because it's all mm. off screen for a little while. And you, I started to wonder, wait, is this just something babies hearing? It's very expensive. To have yeah, babies are expensive. Yeah. Uh, no one wants to work with babies no. as per WC Fields. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, so, but I, it is a really nice moment. And again, it sort of shows how deftly this episode turns on a dime from being funny to being kind of poignant. So I, I, yeah, I was, I was a fan of those sequences as well. And as you said, they, they end up containing some nuggets for later on. So Clara goes and talks to him and there is that moment of, you just decided to stay. Yeah. Also a nice moment. All right. Um, He doesn't have a plan yet, but he will have, she says. And then, and then we get, um, somewhere around in here is where he gives everybody a name and they're not just lofty, you're lofty, you're Heidi, Heidi chuckles. chuckles, Yeah. Just, he doesn't, no, no, I don't, I can't remember your names. I'm just going to give you your names and those will be your names. Um, so that, that was, uh, that was a funny set of scenes. Um, also, there's the uh, Clara when she pushes back at him about turning them into fighters. That's not that's not what he he does. And he says, yeah, I used to think that, too, which is an interesting uh, I think that's kind of a callback like th- this has always been the argument uh, in the new series, at least for a few years now that the doctor, you know, creates people uh, companions to be sort of like him. And Clara certainly has been like that. So maybe oh, he yeah. is turning them into into fighters after all. And she says, I've got a hobby. It's you, by the way. And he says, get a new one. Yeah. Which I think is really good. Um, and then, and then, is it here or later? At some point, he has that conversation about um, basically immor- immortality. Is that? A, is that? A, that I end? think it's it's. You, they're sitting. Well, he does make a brief offhand comment at some point because they talk about death. Yeah, and he says something like, you know, unless you have the, unless you're unlucky enough to be immortal or something right. like that. And it's there's a. Uh, Ashilda walks by basically right as he says that and there's almost a suggestion that maybe did she hear him say something about being immortal Um, and I think that was mainly just sort of a uh, foreshadowing foreshadowing. moment and it it plays into the idea that the doctor is uh, we know that Jenna Coleman is leaving and the doctor always knows the companions are going at some point and uh, there's always, you know, he moves on and and they, they stay behind so yeah I can't remember if it's here or later where he talks about that as a you know he says something to to to, uh clara about you know look at you with your eyes and someday you won't be there and i'll be running away from that and but everywhere i go that that's you know i can't really run away from my pain right um and and death again it's another thing that i feel like again watching the first half of this season or so first four episodes of the season in in pretty rapid succession all of these episodes deal heavily with death. We mm. have Davros in episodes one and two, who is yep. dying. Uh, we have the ghosts in the two following two-parter, mm. and about how you can't crawl, like, that is the thing that he can't undo, like, is death, essentially. Right. And he does end up, you know, having to sacrifice people. Uh, and, and death always sort of weighs over, I mean, you know, at least in the modern series, I, I don't have as much, uh, I can't speak as much of the old, the older series, but in the modern series, you know, I think all the way back to nobody dies, right? You know, everybody lives uh, back in the Christopher Eccleston mm-hmm. era. So, like, death has always been a thing. Yeah. It's one of the interesting things about this show that for a show that is putatively for all ages it deals very real you know not everyone survives yeah. not everything is a happy ending cl- you'll find the classic series was had a very high body count actually so yes <laughs> yeah but they always they always put some emphasis on it which i think mm-hmm. is interesting and in this this series especially it seems like that is something that is weighing very heavily on the doctor's mind this is where we get a really great conversation between the doctor and a shielder 
where um, they talk about what's going to happen. And she says, you know, we'll be cut down like corn, which although the word corn means something different outside of the United States, I still think that's maybe an anachronism, but it's a, it's a beautiful line. And mm-hmm. she asks him, you know, she, he, he tells her to leave and she says, no, I'm going to stay here. This is the, the hills and the village and the, and the water. And this is where I belong. What, you know, don't, don't you, uh, you know, she, she asked him basically, why wouldn't you do that? And he says, well, I, I like a nice view. I can't wait for the next one. Right. Um, so that, that's the difference between them, but it's an interesting give and take. And then she says, and this is like maybe a line of the episode for me, which is, you know, I mean, she talks about the boys, the boys don't like her cause she's mm-hmm. a girl. The girls don't like her cause she's too much like a boy. Um, very, very much like her character on Game of Thrones actually. And she says, everyone knows I'm strange, but here I am loved. So she wants to stay here because even though everybody knows all of her weirdnesses, they accept her and love her. And so why would she ever leave and go anywhere and, else? And it's it's a nice – we've had a couple hints to that already in this episode. I've, very early on when the raiding party returns with Clara and the doctor, she mentions that she has a dream where everybody dies. Yeah. And she was worried that it would come true. And and they sort of, the, the returning war party kind of brushes it off, even though momentarily they, they do all die. all die. Yeah. Um, and then later on, um, is this the same scene where she's fighting the puppet? I think I think maybe it is where she's yeah. got she's got and, her is that a puppet? <laughs> yeah, and she explains to the doctor the or the doctor in, infers you basically make up stories mm. when everybody goes out because if you make up the right story you can make sure they all come home again. Yeah, that's another meta meta bit of this yep. episode is that and and something that in especially the Moffat area we we see is this um talk about storytelling and the doctor as a legend and the power of storytelling and of course we're watching a story being told by people who are telling us a story about telling stories. Yeah. <sighs> but um but it's 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 nice here that this is that we see see this through a shielder um and this is where we get more baby baby stuff, and he figures out the he figures out what the baby was saying about the fire in the water, and has a nice line where he says, "We are going to win the hell out of this," because <laughs> he's had that moment. And I believe Clara runs in and says, "Did you figure it out?" Because she knows that this is how it works. Um, and and it turns out that Lofty is not only the father of the baby, but he's the blacksmith, and they've got the water buckets, and there are electric eels in them that he can use. Now he's got ah, we could use this as a weapon. And thus sends in motion his uh, grand scheme. It's like everybody wake up, and we're going to stay up all night, but we're going to be able to 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 win this thing. And and then we get the the moving to the last act of the story, which is the doctor using the village to figure out how to save the village, and everybody pitches in, and um and uh, he reverses the polarity of the neutron flow at this point. I you know whatever that means, but it that seems that like means it works. something. It sounds great. I think <laughs> yeah. is what he says. <laughs> it's a classic. Um, and he, you know, they need to, they, all we need to do is get a helmet, get one helmet and we can, we can solve this, which is an interesting thing. And so when the, when the, uh, the, the robot or whatever exoskeleton, uh, alien guys come, they, uh, they Enter have the party first. Yeah. Of all. They have a party there. There, there are no weapons. They can scan them for weapons and they know there are no weapons, but what they do is they electrify little dangly, um, little dangly metal bits and, uh, and basically, you know, electrify these exoskeletons and knock a bunch of them out of commission, which is pretty cool. And then they're, you know, and then there's action and running and more things drop and more oh, guys are electrified. They make an electromagnet too. Yeah. And, yeah. They and pull a the bunch guns. of stuff off, um, get the guns. They're able to get a helmet off of one of the guys and get that to a shielder. Um, 
and uh, and that's when the dragon happens, or the big uh, yeah. eel, I or whatever it is, sea monster. I yeah, don't know. It's sure. on land, but sure. Yeah. So I mean, you know, kind of. I feel like uh, kind of riffing a little bit off modern virtual reality technology. They essentially have a Shilda like come up with a story and feed it from the helmet that she's wearing into the helmets that the rest of them are wearing. Although I guess I guess it was just a hologram that the guy is the Odin is wearing a human face, right? right. We do see or that he has an alien face on, so he he's clearly still perceiving through some sort of virtual reality because he sees the dragon too, right. which is actually just a wooden boat frame, right? But it's being projected by a shielder because she's got the power of storytelling and she's got that helmet, and so she's basically uh, spinning this. And this is a I'm not sure I really. You know, again, maybe there was a line in there that I that I missed, but this is one of those things that you just sort of take on faith. Like, of course, that's how it works because the doctor said yeah. it would work that way. I bought it. Sure. It was fine for me. It was just, you know, it was essentially feeding them what they, you know, scaring them with with shadows on the wall. Yeah, just as um, they scared them with their with their fake uh, Odin and all of that. Right. So it's a nice it's a nice moment. Um, and all of his, all of Odin's soldiers retreat, mm. uh, and except for him, and he's just kind of freaked out. Uh, and that's when we determined that it was all a, all a fake, all a sham. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even better, and I think this was my favorite moment of the episode, is that they're like, well, you know, it was hilarious. It's too bad nobody recorded it. Ooh, oh, wait. wait. And so they pull out their iPhone, of course, yep. and they've recorded the entire fight. Which is kind of hilarious. And the doctor basically threatens to like, I'm, you know what? You can go right now and we'll just hold on to this and whip, whip it out at Christmas parties. Or if you want to, you know, keep going, uh, I can upload this to the internet basically. And everybody will know, you know, how you, that your reputation is terrible, that you're scared of a wooden boat, <laughs> which is kind of a great moment. Also, the unkindest cut of all is he suggests to Clara that she should lay in the Benny Hill theme there. <laughs> and it does. And indeed, And the Eckity Sax yes. is there playing as it happens. It's, <laughs> which, a, it's pretty funny. Pretty fantastic. Yep. Um, and it, it works. So he decides to uh, bow out and they pop back to their spaceship. He and says, take we off. will we will meet again, which right. I think is I think maybe is meaningful in this case that that since everything is we all have two parters and things are linked together. I, I suspect we're going to we may see that guy again, perhaps even soon. But it is nice. He, he says, you've seen the world through the eyes of a storyteller so that we bring that back around again. And he in a mocking about you were sent packing by farmers and fishermen. That's a really mm-hmm. nice a really nice bit. And web designers. And web designers, yes. <laughs> Unfortunately, um, there's a cost. There is a cost. They go, they're celebrating and they go over to uh, Ashilda and she is, uh, Ashilda has died under the helmet, as the doctor says, or I think maybe it's Clara, it, like used her up like a battery. Um, she She's dead and the doctor is very upset and basically runs outside. Did you get the impression, I felt like he might have known that was going to happen yeah well uh, yeah yeah everybody looks at him and the look on capaldi's face there in particular is i didn't say anything but i kind of knew that was a risk at least well well, yeah when he says it used her up like a battery i think i think if he didn't know he thought that it was a possibility but i think if you asked if you walked through it it's probably that she knew she was taking a risk but this is how she she's going to save her village and she knows she wants to save her village so i i don't think that you would say he conned her into it and she didn't know what she was getting into. Right, my guess right. is that my guess is that if he knew, you know, and she knew and this was all part of the plan and everybody knew they were they were taking risks here. But I, I definitely got that sense that he knew this was going to happen or because he doesn't he doesn't appear surprised. He no, just not at all. He, he says, I'm sorry. He pulls out. He pulls out a David Tennant line. I'm sorry. Yeah. 
so so sorry. Um, but this leads to an interesting moment, right? Where where Clara and the doctor have that conversation, and he he basically says, "I'm so sick of this, not winning, yeah. of losing people." Well, not yeah, not losing wars. I'll lose as many wars as you want. Yeah. I think he says something to that effect. Um, and he's just sad about losing people, and that's I guess where we have the conversation about him uh, about Clara eventually having to you know, right. leave or die or something right and he talks um, about the rules here the ripples the tidal waves and all that you know, which is something these things something else that is recurred this year i was thinking particularly in the second part of the uh in before the flood um when they try to they try to leave within the tardis but it, it's it's locked yeah it won't, won't let go and so you know there are rules and he tells bennett like oh you can't interfere you can't save um what's her name o'donnell yeah. You can't save her because that's not that's not what we do. We can't do that. It's against the rules. Um, and so, again, yes, we're brought up in this, as Clara said before, you never really told me what the rules are. But like, and, and this is always a struggle with the doctor in time travel. When you have someone who is this clever and this powerful, how do you sort of put limits on that? And how do you control that? Uh, and the doctor in the past has shown himself perfectly willing to break rules. Um, and I think... That at times has gotten him into trouble. If you look back at the Time Lord Victorious, yep, um, you know he thinks he's basically God, and that has some, you know, some unfortunate consequences to it. And so I think that's you know the biggest risk with the Doctor is hubris, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, and I, I think that's that's the most interesting conversation to have about a person who is this powerful and has you know, and, and this smart. Like that's the most interesting part of that character is that that flaw uh and i think that's a much more interesting exploration than several of the previous episodes in which you know which have sort of ostensibly put the doctor in peril because we know the doctor is not going to die right like we know that that's not there's no threat there there's no risk whereas the risk to other people because of something the doctor does is a much more interesting dynamic yeah, and this this is ends up being the moment where uh, we also see finally uh, pulls out of his back pocket. Yeah, this this is this is uh, what we've been asking since deep breath, which is uh, why do I have this face? I've seen this face before. What's the reason I have this face? And we know Peter Capaldi was Cacilius in uh, the fires of Pompeii, and he flashes to that here. Uh, he he remembers Donna, and he remembers the David Tennant Doctor. And her begging him to save somebody, anybody from Pompeii, and he ends up saving Cacilius and his family. And uh, what the, what the doctor takes of that is, um, I gave this, I chose this face to remind me that I'm the doctor and I save people. This is what I do, um, and uh, and so he decides that that he will save uh, a shelter after all. And I thought that was, you know, I was kind of surprised to, uh, I not that I had forgotten about it. Um, but it, you know, it's been a season and change since yeah. we, we had that moment. And so he, you know, I feel like really Stephen Moffat has been keeping that in his back pocket to trot out when he felt like it was time. Um, and it's effective here. It really works. I mean, I, I had a brief sort of, you know, hitch in my breath when I saw David Tennant show up back on screen. Cause you know, we don't get a ton of flashbacks to yeah. earlier, uh, episodes, especially in this era, but, um, it's, it's a nice moment of calling back and one that is not you know it's an interesting thing that you can do with a show like this that is not necessarily watched by a lot of casual viewers there's no explication 
of all of that. Like if you have never seen Doctor Who before, you're going to be pretty lost at that moment. Yeah. Um, but it's nice for those of us who are fans and who follow the show and watch every episode to get that call back and to say, you know, ah, yeah, I remember that. And, and yeah, that makes sense, you know, to why he has that face. And so I thought it was I thought it was a really nice moment. I thought it worked very well. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that was pretty cool. So so he takes a, a regeneration pad or something that's a medical nanotechnology something from the leftover bits from the soldiers and puts it on her forehead and it kind of like melts into her face and she wakes up and he basically says, um, you know, it'll keep repairing her brain. But then he says later, um, in reminiscent a little bit of Captain Jack, it's like mm. it, may, it may repair her forever and she may be immortal. Um, to which Clara says, why'd you give her a second one? Because he gives right. her a second one. And he says, she might meet someone she can't bear to lose. That happens, I believe. <laughs> He says, well, and that was that was an interesting moment, too, because, you know, it's one it raises that question of, well, you know, then why doesn't why not give it to one of your companions, right. for example? Um, and, and it is a moment of, um, you know, he said, doesn't he say something like barring accident or something? She might be immortal. I thought there was some suggestion of that. Um, but I, I, it's, it's an interesting dilemma too, right? Because I, I, that is the, he says immortality is not, you think it's living forever, but that's not what it is. It's watching everyone else die. Uh, and you know, again, a nice way of undercutting what is a strength of a character, right? Is that they are functionally immortal, um, by turning it around and saying, yeah, you might be immortal, but this is, it's not all that it's cracked up to yeah. be, right? Be careful what you wish for. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he says immortality isn't living forever. It's watching everybody die. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. So he says, then he says uh, something about, you know, the about the tidal wave and making changes and that in a way, uh, a shielder is a hybrid now because she's a human, but she's got this alien technology inside her too. Also a callback, because the first episode with the Daleks and, or sorry, episode two with Daleks and Time Lord, he also, there is also a comment in there about the Daleks becoming hybrids right. with the regeneration energy, which I thought was also interesting. And he seems to put special weight on that word too, which also made me wonder if there was a certain uh, hmm. callback there. But I don't know. It, it just struck me. as like, oh, hybrids. We've heard that before in this season. Um, so I'm wondering if that's another theme that we might see pop up again. But it's very clear because then it's cut to to be continued and all of that, that that although these are episodes this week and next week are episodes from different writers, um, they appear to be connected. And it, and, and it appears to be that our, our, our story is going to continue with something involving a shielder being uh, immortal. Well, and, and let's not leave out that last shot, which I think is a fascinating shot. Oh, right? yeah, which where is, we swoop around her as the do time, time lapse. passes. Basically. But what's fascinating about it is watching her expression. It starts out and it's very full of awe and wonder as all these years clearly pass and time is passing. And we do this whole 360 revolution out here. And when we come back to see her face again, it's sad. And then we sort of linger on her face for a moment. And I would say it turns angry. Um, and then mm. there's like some fire behind it, like it. And it's so, you know, we, we're kind of, I feel like we're kind of watching the evolution of this character here as she realizes she goes from, oh, I'm alive again. This is so wonderful to, oh, I'm losing everybody. Yeah. And then almost to a feeling like, oh, why did you, why did you make me immortal? And I was going to think 
I don't know, I mean, if anybody has read Sandman, um, one of my favorite issues of that comic ever deals with uh, a character who is a friend of the main character, Dream, who is immortal. Um, and it's, he keeps, mm-hmm. Dream keeps revisiting with him as the centuries go past, and sometimes he's up and sometimes he's down. Um, and it's really, it's, it's a beautiful, heartfelt, poignant story that I highly recommend, even if you don't read anything else in Sandman, like that issue on itself stands alone and is just another wonderful, uh, sort of illustration of this idea of immortality, that thing that all humans seem to strive for, and yet maybe not as good as it sounds. Right. So I guess we'll find out uh, next week. Yeah, where yeah. where this uh, where this story continues because this is the girl who died, and next week's episode is the woman who lived. Indeed, I want to say just overall that I felt like I have been. I felt the first four episodes of the season, I did, they didn't really do anything for me. I, I felt like the Davros plot was very strange to jump straight into something as heavily, heavily mythological. Uh, and again, you know, like I said, I feel like it's always difficult when you have episodes that revolve around either the Doctor being in peril or some big universe-shattering, sure. like, everything is at stake here, right? The whole universe is at And stake. so what's wonderful about this episode is that in some ways it's really just about the village and about this one girl. Mm-hmm. And it, that makes the stakes so much more heartfelt and so much more real. Uh, and I felt like this episode did a much better job of balancing drama and humor um, I felt like it was interesting, and even though it was something that, you know, a, a sort of formula that I feel like we've seen before, uh, it felt fresh and different. Uh, and it really, it, it got me engaged in sitting up in a way that the first four episodes of the season yeah. had not so far. So I was really pleased with it. I'm really excited now to look forward to next week's episode. Um, and yeah, I thought I would give it two thumbs up. All right, that's nice. Um, I've liked the season so far. It's done a bunch of different things. The base under siege and the sort of like wind tell, tell part two after or tell part two before part one of the, of the, the base under siege episode I thought was kind of fun and it was spooky. It certainly had that effect on my son. He was definitely creeped out by that two parter. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, the opening two parter was kind of weird and surprising. Um, and there are a lot of things I liked about it, but, it, but yeah, as a season opener, it seems strange, but uh, yeah, I enjoyed this episode. It, it was nice to get a break from the, uh, universe shattering uh super time travel intense uh big picture stuff and have a basically the doctor gets uh you know has to save a a viking village and that's with his smarts and yeah there are aliens in it okay but that he's saving them from yeah but they're not important it's not the point yeah i agree all right well next week um, I'm traveling, so hopefully we'll see when we get a little closer. But hopefully, you will, uh, you you and a guest will be in the uh, will be in the driver's seat next week for uh, for part two of this. We'll try. We'll try to pick up where we left off and, here, and I will, uh, and I'll be back the week following. So, uh, thanks to everybody out there for uh, tuning in to the Doctor Who Flashcast, Dan. It's been a pleasure talking to you in one of our many podcasts that we do together. A pleasure as always. Thanks for having me on. And Dan, we'll see you next week. (laughs) Goodbye, everybody. Bye. Doctor Who Flashcast on the Incomparable.